So I'll just go ahead and say it because we're, we're a week away. Merry Christmas. This is my beautiful Christmas sweater. I've been telling people as they come, this is not ugly at all. This is, this is gorgeous. So I just, just want to make sure, make sure you know that. This is, this is an amazing thing. It doesn't fit at, at all. You know, it's, it's, it's terribly shaped for me, but that, that's all right. It's, a, it's an amazing, glorious thing. And, and I enjoy that. Hey, I just want to pick up on something that Adria mentioned. She was talking about moments of hope and celebrating that. Sarah gave me some stats from yesterday because we did things a little bit differently than we normally do. We had people make food to, to make the meal a little bit more special, which, sound, which sounds like that was really well received. We had six people make 500 pieces of cornbread. We were told to be ready for about 500 people, so that was pretty, pretty cool. 13 people made 60 pounds of pasta salad. I don't even know what is. It? I don't even know what does that look like. Like if you're holding that, I don't know. Um, Eleven people made 475 cookies and brownies, and we had uh, one person bring enough water for 72 people. We had 500 packs of hand sanitizer donated, and 475 meals were given out yesterday. So pretty, pretty cool thing. Yeah. So since we have started this with Moments of Hope. Um, about six times a year on the third Saturday, we help serve meals. We started doing that. We did it three times, I think, in 2021 is when we, when we started. We've done it all this year. So to date, we've helped serve 3,450 meals, which is just pretty cool, I think. So worth, uh, worth celebrating a little bit, I think, and being excited about, kind of like I am about this Christmas sweater. I really do think it's an amazing thing, just, just so you know. I still get really excited around Christmas. I don't know how many of you. How many of you just could not sleep on Christmas night, the the night before that you you were the first one. Were you the first one up in the morning? That kind of thing. Uh, so that is still the case for me. Anybody else? Like no. Okay, one one or two. Okay, a couple of us are, are still that excited. I'm still that excited. My parents were smart because they were. They directed my energy and my sister's energy in a more positive route instead of just coming in and jumping on the bed and being like, hey, let's go downstairs, let's start Christmas. They started this thing where every other year we would switch off and who made Christmas breakfast. And so we would eat. It kind of tempered things down and chilled, chilled it down a little bit. So my sister and I would take one year, we would make breakfast for everybody. And then the next year, my parents would do that, and we kind of go back and forth. But I'm, I'm, still, I'm still that excited. I'm still the first one who gets up in the, in the house. And, and I know, we've got three kids. Isn't that crazy? I'm still the first one. Seth has gotten to the point where he gets up pretty close to when I do, and we start playing a video game while we're waiting for everybody else. So we kind of started another, another tradition. But I'm still super excited uh, about that. Maybe you don't feel that way about Christmas right now, and maybe... You know, you can remember, though, a time back when you had that childlike excitement and wonder and looking forward to this Christmas season, the energy you get from doing something you look forward to do. There's still some things that I get super excited about. When I know that I'm going to play golf the next day, I, I don't have any trouble getting up in the morning. I'm, I'm super excited. I get up. I'm, I'm, I'm ready, to, re, ready to go. When I discover something that's really impressive, I want to share it with somebody. I'm going to send it to a text thread, or I'm going to tell somebody and say, hey, come, come over here. You know, it's that, that childlike excitement that you get. Can you remember, remember those moments, maybe, where, where you come over to somebody, tug on their sleeve, and say, hey, come over here. You've got to see this. this. Here's this really cool thing. The older we get, I think that that sense of discovering childlike wonderment can wane and be a little bit fewer and farther between. Because we learn more about the world, we retain more, we remember more, and so 
you know, many of us, most of us, if not all of us, have maybe grown out of that time of life where we would watch the same Disney movie 27 times in a week. Or maybe some of you didn't do that. Maybe that is not as exciting as it once was. Um, but what is more of an issue, I think, than anything is not, not just that we know more about life and that we remember more, is that we're just weighed down by more. We have a lot more things in our mind. We've got a lot more responsibilities, a lot more things, a lot more things going on. I know I am guilty of this, that sometimes I miss the opportunity to be excited about things that are right there in front of my face and they're there every day. Like sometimes, especially this time of year, I lament the fact that oh, it's darker earlier. You know, by the time it's five o'clock, you walk out of the office door, it's pitch black. And so you're driving home in the dark. So you leave home in the dark and then you drive home in the dark and kind of, you kind of miss you know, the, the sunlight, you look, you're not looking for, for reasons to be excited about anything, but when I get home and when I actually stop and look up, I live where you can actually see the sky, which is, which is cool, because in the sky, there are these things called stars. Some of you that live in the city, you don't know about this, but you look up, and there's this amazing, expansive sky there full of stars and planets and all kinds of amazing things. And when I've come home and when I remember that, especially in a cold, clear winter night, and I look up and I spend some time just thinking about how amazing this view is and this incredible thing that I get to look at and can do any time, except when it's cloudy. You know, I walk into the house in a much different frame of mind than I do when I don't do that. I, I, I walk in with, with a, a, a better sense and better perspective of the world than, than walking in, you know, having not looked up with the weight and cares of responsibility on my shoulders. And when it comes down to it, one of the things that Christmas helps us do, it, it helps us to remember this truth, and that there aren't less opportunities for wonder in our life. There aren't less opportunities for celebration and for joy to express and experience. They're just more distractions. The older, get, the older we get, the more distracted we become. That's why I think Jesus in Matthew chapter 18 says something about this. And he says something about our perspective. And he says something about the way we approach life and the way that we approach God matters when it comes to how we allow the things of this world weigh us down, or if we actually kind of still appreciate the wonder that is around, around us. In Matthew chapter 18 and verse 1, Jesus, the disciples come to him, and they say, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus calls over to him a child, and he puts them in the midst of them, and he said, truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. We've got a couple other interactions between Jesus and the disciples where the disciples, we know what their motivation in asking them who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven is. Um, they want to find out which one of them it is. They, they, think, they think it could be one of them. In fact, a couple of them have their mom come up and, and say, Jesus, say to Jesus, hey, um, can, can you put my, my kids in prominent positions? Because that's one of the things that they were really concerned about. They, they were less concerned in this moment about who Jesus is and the amazing thing that God was doing through sending Jesus as a man, God's presence in and among us. They were, they were less amazed and in wonder about that and more about all the other things that they were worried about in life. They're worried about status, and they're worried about power, and they were worried about wealth, and they're worried about all the other things that we spend a lot of time and effort thinking about and worrying about and pursuing in our life. And they had missed 
the point. And Jesus says, no, actually, you, this, is, this is not what this is about. This is not about power and position and wealth and authority. It's, it's not about any of those things that so many people get wrapped up in. It's actually about being able to have the perspective that God is giving and we are relying on God and God is giving everything that we need and we can just in childlike humility and faith and wonder rely on him for those things and not worry about any of the rest. The results that so many of us, you know, the, the, the ways in which we quant quantify success from a worldly perspective, revenue generation, quantity-based metrics, influence, legacy, all these things that we pursue, they aren't necessarily inherently bad things. But if they become the lenses through which we view life, they distract us from the perspective that God wants us to have in being able to rely and trust in the good things that we can rest in because he provides them for us. Some of the most spectacular things that we have in this life are just regular mundane things that we don't really celebrate or think about very often. I mean, all of us just about have a tiny computer in our pockets that does everything for us. We can talk to people. We can look up any kind of information that we want. We can watch videos of cats and all kinds of amazing, incredible things. But how often do you stop and think and pull that phone out and think, man, this is incredible technology. No, we're like, let me scroll through social media for an hour, and oh, I'm addicted to this thing, and, and, and maybe I've kind of lost sight of what this is for. Or just every time you get in a car, how amazing is it that we don't have to rely on horse and buggy? I mean, we would still be traveling here right now. If I, I wouldn't be at church right now if we had to, had to rely on that. We're coming all the way out from Goochland. Okay, maybe by now, I, you know, but depending on how early we left, we, we would get here. How incredible that is. But, you know, too often we're distracted from that because every other driver on the road is, is an idiot. Every day, is that okay to say? I don't know. I said it, I guess. Every day we are exposed to awe-inspiring things, and every day we deal with the tension of the obstacles in our life that fight for our attention and fight for our perspective. And that's why I believe things like celebrating Christmas are so important and having intentional ways of reminding us of the heavenly perspective that surpasses the temporary that Jesus brings and this time of year brings is so invaluable to our lives. We've been looking at Christmas carols to kind of teach us and remind us and look, look at the, the story of Jesus maybe from a different lens than we do normally. The songs that we sing a lot of times are, you know, we, we just sing them. They're, they're just there. That's just one of the things that we do, but we don't also always necessarily think about the words. And so we've been doing that. And today we're going to be looking at the classic, O Come, All Ye Faithful. And I've got the lyrics for you if you want to see the original four verses are going to be up on the... Up, up on the screen. There were a couple other title contenders for, for this carol, O Come All You Faithful. Here's one of them. It could have been, it was written in, in Latin, and so there are a couple other names that it could have been known like, so uh, known, known by. And so here are a couple of the other suggestions that were given, given out there. I thought these were great, so I thought I'd mention them. Uh, here was one. Instead of O Come All Ye Faithful, how about this one? Hither ye faithful, haste with songs of triumph. You like that one? I, I kind of, it might be a little verbose, but I, I kind of like it. And the other one is, ye faithful approach ye. That, was, that would be fun to kind of talk like that and, and sing like that, I think. There were four original verses. Uh, there, there are up to eight. There's like four others that have been added. But here are the ones that, that are up there. And I just want us to take a moment to appreciate the energy and the excitement that these lyrics represent for us, especially the first verse. 
So let's just isolate the first verse. I think I've got a slide for that. And, and, and let's just look at that and read and appreciate, appreciate what the author is trying to communicate here to us. O come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. Come, come to Bethlehem. I'm coming and pulling on your sleeve. you got to come see this thing. It's, a, it's amazing. It's really cool. Come and behold him, born the king of, of angels. Come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. It's got that same feeling that if, if you can remember that, that last time you had that childlike wonder and enjoyment and, and that, that urgency to come and to share your excitement with some, someone else, this is, this is what this song has and what it starts off with. It captures this excitement of a Christmas morning or some other thrill that you just can't wait to share and celebrate with others. And we've got that same energy and intensity happening when the angels come and they share and they give the announcement that Jesus has been born. It, he has come in Luke chapter 2. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. This is to the shepherds, by the way. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. One of my favorite things, and I mentioned this before, is angels always start off with fear not. You, you ever notice that? They come and they show up. Because they show up out of nowhere. They show up out of nowhere. Don't, don't be afraid. Well, of course I'm going to be afraid. One of my favorite things that my wife does is that, especially when I'm driving, she'll be looking out or, or, or doing something, and it will be something that she will see or read or something, and it will be exciting to her. And she'll go, <gasps> Like, like this. And, of course, I'm, I'm like, all right, both hands on the wheel, ready to hit the brakes. What's wrong? What's happening? What's going on? She's like, oh, this really funny th meme, you know, on, on Facebook. And, and, and uh, let me read it to you. And I'm like, what? what is, don't do that. <laughs> um, anyway, you know, the angels show up. They're excited. They're, they're, they're popping up out of nowhere. Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to another, one another, that was weird. Better keep an eye on the sheep. No, they say, Let, that was amazing. We, we should probably do what they said. Let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. You guys will never believe what just happened to us. Because I'm sure Mary and Joseph are looking at him and like, what? why are you here? This is, I just gave birth. Like, I'm not inviting you into the delivery room. And, and they're here and they're, they're excited. Then Mary treasures up all these things, pondering them in their heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. Imagine with me, for years, these shepherds are going to be telling the same story. You know, one of them, you know, Silas is going around. He's like, guys, have I ever told you the story that time the angel showed up in the middle of the field? And the town says, yes, Silas, we've heard the story. You know, Dad, come on, stop saying the same old story. But for years and years, they're going to be sharing that story. And 30-some-odd years later, they're going to see this story in a whole new, different light when Jesus dies and rises again. At least we'd hope so. We'd hope that the shepherds wouldn't miss the most important part. 
especially after the heavens have opened up. God has done this amazing thing in their lives. Uh, They've heard directly from God something that hasn't happened for 400 years outside of Mary and Joseph up to this point. And surely the uniqueness of the experience would stay with them, that excitement, that childlike wonder and joy in that moment. Surely they wouldn't forget. I guarantee you there are moments in their life where they did, though. I mean, think about it. Think about the most joyous things that you've had happen in your life. Do you always, I mean, do they always stick out to you? Or are you always cognizant over those things? Or are they always with you? I mean, there are times where they weren't going to be thinking about it. They were looking for a missing sheep. They were guarding against a predator, maybe having a sick day. They were setting up camp, prepping a meal, some of the regular tasks and responsibilities. They, they would have had, would have kept them fully occupied, fully engaged, and so maybe they weren't, you know, really remembering what had happened, and it wasn't affecting their perspective in that moment. And then the expectations on their shoulders to provide for their family, to advance the business, to improve their dwelling, to navigate the Roman occupation. There's so many distractions that can pile up to the point that I imagine there were plenty of times that their concerns and reactions and pursuits in life were not guided by the unique perspective on life and the world that they had gained from God that night. The same wondrous things were true, but space and time can often dim once what we once saw clearly. There's something we can do about it, however, a way to keep the childlike wonder and excitement in sharp focus. And hopefully it's something that these shepherds participated in together to keep the ongoing effect of God's message and his presence and showing up in their lives, the revelation of his glory firmly fixed in the forefront of their perspective. And it comes from the first line of our Christmas carol, which just simply says, O come all ye faithful. Our wonder for what God has done thrives when we come together faithfully. It's when we gather together regularly and see what God has done in our lives and lives of our, our, the family of God and, and that we keep perspective in a world that is constantly vying for our, our attention with distracting perspectives. You read through the scripture, particularly the New Testament, and you see this pattern of the early church gathering regularly together because it's very clear to them that the systems and the power structures and way of life surrounding them were counter to the culture of the kingdom of God. And so assembled together, they assembled together more than just Sunday because they wanted that regular encouragement of the shared experience of God's salvation and God's desire to be with us. Corporate worship and fellowship, the act of coming together draws us into the presence and glory of God meant to be reflected in our lives through the work of the Holy Spirit. That's why it matters that we're here and together. It's why there is no higher priority for my family than to gather with the family of God. And that's been true even when I haven't been working as a pastor, just, just for, for the record. Yeah, it's your job to be here, man. No, it's, it's, it's more than that, and it's deeper than that, and it's richer than that. This is because each time that I'm here, I'm encouraged by somebody else and how God is moving in, in their lives. And so we come together, when we come together faithfully, we, we, we get reminded of those moments in which God has shown up and when he has done amazing and glorious things. The line of the carol continues, though. The, uh, we, we read, oh, come all ye faithful, and we say, well, how are we going to come? We're going to come joyfully. Gathering faithfully enables us to maintain our shared joy in Christ. The shepherds, as much as they're going to want to share this wondrous thing that has happened to them, this unique experience, rightfully so, they're only going to get but so much satisfaction in the telling of this story to those who have not shared the experience with them. 
The less we're around those who share faith in the glory of God, the less joy we experience and express in our hearts and minds and through our soul and strength. These guys, I, I guarantee you, they had to have had a group text thread where it's just, some of you are just kind of like, ah, okay. Group text thread, get it? They didn't have phones, and you're like, all right, just be done with that, okay. Well, you know, they, they had to have done it because they had to have had these, these conversations, these gatherings, these times where they could share with each other and remind each other, yes, this amazing thing happened. They, they've got to, they've got to be, have a place to send memes back and forth and reminisce and encourage one another as their lives had changed from that point forward. And even though they dealt with the mundane and the regular things and the, and the big life changes that would have come up and that they, they needed each other, they needed each other to remind each other of the wondrous thing that they had experienced. They came, they saw, they went away glorifying and praising God for everything they'd seen and heard. And every time they got together from that point forward, they would have had the opportunity to continue to glorify and praise God for the way that he continues to move in our lives. And how even though we have all the other responsibilities and all the other distractions that come along in life, we have this foundation of joy through which we see all the other things. When we aren't maintaining that perspective of joy, that childlike wonder, the tension and weight of the world that we engage in every day can become more significant than what maybe they should be because our, our perspective shifts. And so we face battles that maybe we start to think that we aren't winning because they become more and more of an obstacle to us sharing in the joy that we all need. When the things we do aren't meeting our expectations, it can feel like we are on the losing end of what we're striving for. It better work. Better relationships, better compensation, better comfort, better health, better circumstances, better results, better status, better feelings, better meaning. Are those things inherently wrong? No, but if they become the sole point of our focus and we don't achieve those things, then it can rob us of the joy that we're meant to express and experience. If we're not careful, these things become insatiable things that we fight for because that's the habit of the world around us. And because they're insatiable, we'll often feel like we're losing the battle if we lose the perspective that the coming of Christ is meant to confirm the promise of God that he will take care of all these things. Read Matthew chapter 5 through chapter 7. Be reminded of what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount if you need a refresher on those things. If, you're, if you find yourself being overly focused on, on, these, on these pursuits... And all these things are sustained that God promises to give us and provide for us are sustained through the resurrection of Jesus. And that's, that's, uh, that's how we come to this, this understanding that we sing this carol and it says, Oh, come all ye faithful, joyful, not just joyful, but also triumphant. And, and being reminded of the fact that not only did, was Jesus born, but he lived and he died and he rose again triumphant as the king of God's kingdom. And, and that, remind, that, that reminder of that perspective changes and shifts everything for us. Our joy is sustained when we're reminded that Jesus is triumphant and therefore we are too. John's, John Francis, John's, John Francis Wade, John Francis Wade, words are hard sometimes for me, wrote the original four verses sometime before 1743. He was an Englishman who ended up fleeing England because in 1745 there was this thing called the Jacobite Rebellion. Some of you might know about this from history. But 
John was a part of the wrong side. The Jacobites were those who were trying to reinstate the house of Stuart. And if you ever heard the, the name Bonnie Prince Charlie, uh, this is who this was in service to. Well, they failed, and they got routed, and John had to flee. And so he would have been very familiar with this feeling of being on the losing side, so much so that he uprooted his entire life. And yet he was, he was able to still write the words of the song, Oh, come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. That, that even though one of the most significant moments of his life, having to completely uproot everything and run and get, get out of town, things did not go the way that he wanted to, he still was able to capture the joy and the triumph and what we are able to receive from Jesus. There, there's one research professor who suggests, because this was written in Latin, that there's some wordplay there, that John Wade may have written this carol as kind of a secret, uh, in secret support of Bonnie Prince Charlie, and there's some things that, with, with Latin that, that are kind of interesting that, that you go through. Um, how sad would it be, though, if he had written, O Come All Ye Faithful, in support of like one political power that completely got decimated and, and never never panned out at all. How sad would it be that if he, he had written the song in support of that, totally missing where true joy and triumph came from and exchanged it for a cheap imitation like the success of a political candidate? I mean, you know, that's, that's what happens when we exchange the joy and triumph that we already have and experience through Jesus for something else, for something cheaper in the world. Not that Christians in America would ever do something like that. As disciples of Jesus, our metrics for happiness and success are the joy and triumph that come from the kingdom of God life that Jesus establishes that overshadows any other level of achievement in life. John identifies this in 1 John chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. He says, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. And here's verse, verse 4 is key for the message today. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? You know, Christmas is a time for, for joy. Is a time for celebration, celebrating joy and triumph, gathering together for what God has done is going to do. There are moments in our life, there are markers in our spiritual journey that are exciting, that are life-changing, that are important times for us to look back on and remember and think, hey, this, this was a, an, an incredibly important marker in, in my faith journey. A couple weeks ago, we had those moments. We had three of those moments uh, three weeks ago on Sunday. I've got some pictures, I think, to, to show up here. Three baptisms, where, where here are these markers, this joyful time. I don't know, you can kind of almost see the look on my face there, where I'm kind of like, everybody else is kind of like, oh, water in my face. You know, but <clears throat> where, where's this, this joyful moment in this time where we can celebrate those things. Now, that happened three weeks ago, or two, I don't remember, two weeks ago. Two weeks ago? I don't know, somebody correct me on that. It's, it's fine, it's, it's good, no perfect people allowed. Now, you know, that's, that's in the past. My, my own baptism, that, that is in the past. But, but it, it, it is moments like these that we participate in that remind us of that celebration, that joy, that childlike wonder that brings us when we trust in Jesus to, to be our Savior and our Lord. 
We come together faithfully, joyfully, and triumphant because Jesus Christ is Lord. And when we are regularly reminded of this wonder amid the distractions of this world, we can live joyfully and triumphantly because of Jesus. This is the wonder that with urgency and faith and joy, like a kid bursting with excitement over something good and precious and new and life-changing that we want to invite other people into. The invitation from the angels to the shepherds was, come and see. You, you gotta, you'll never believe, this, this is an incredible thing that God is doing. Come, come and see, come and join me in this. And when the shepherds did this, when they came and they saw and they shared with Mary and Joseph what was happening, they came away glorifying and praising God. It's a wonderful thing that we have this opportunity to come and see joyfully and triumphantly celebrating who God is, worshiping him every week and worship together. But imagine how much better it is when we engage in inviting others to come and see alongside of us, to share that excitement, that joyfulness and that triumphantness that we get to celebrate, not because of things in this world, things that we've achieved and things that we've done, because of all the things that God has done in our lives through Jesus and that he continues to do as he guides us and directs us through his Holy Spirit. Faithfully together, joyfully and triumphantly. And may we share that same joyful, joyfulness and triumph with others as we maintain that perspective that, that God has provided for everything that we need. Jesus is our Lord and Savior, and there's nothing else that can take that away from us. Let's, let's pray together as we uh, continue our time of worship together this morning. God, we thank you for these moments that we have to, to assemble together as believers and, and to encourage one another and to focus in on you and to be reminded of why, why we hold on to this reasonable faith and this reasonable hope and this reasonable joy because you have won the victory. As many times as we might be distracted, as many times as there might be obstacles or significant changes or moments that come along in this life, we know that those are only temporary things. That you, you have established eternal truths and eternal goodness in our lives. And guys, God, we praise you for that. We ask you to keep us mindful of that, to be reminded of that, and helped to maintain that perspective through your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.